Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Acts as we continue walking through the story of the early church, a church on the move. We pick up in Acts chapter 4 this morning, beginning in verse 5. And as we prepare for that this morning, we're going to talk today about prayer. I don't know about you, Some of you may feel as if you're not a very good prayer. Maybe prayer for you is just a difficult thing. Some of you, you have a lot easier time praying. You think it's just natural, it's just what I do. It's interesting, our perspectives about prayer. I played baseball in college growing up, and one of the things that as we were getting ready right before the game would start, there'd be all kinds of conversations going on. We'd be huddled up together. And then laser focus, everybody looks at me and says, hey, Kennedy, pray. I always thought that was interesting. I mean, what are you supposed to pray before a game? To win? Like, does God really care about that? I mean, is that really what it's focused on? You know, but I think for some of us, Prayer is kind of the lifeline for us, that we look and we think, man, when things have gone to pot, this is when I pray. Sometimes we think in our minds that God's not really that interested in hearing from us. I don't know if you are a parent or not, but there are moments in time when you are a parent and your kids continue to ask you something and continue to, to talk and you just say, just Stop. My oldest daughter's here. She's like, so that's what that's all about. And we think maybe God's like that, that He just gets tired of us. Like, could you just stop? And yet we learn in the Scriptures that God is a heavenly Father who loves to hear from His children. And so when we come to prayer, we come with a lot of different ideas, a lot of different perspectives, maybe a lot of different experiences, and yet... What we're going to see this morning in the text as this early church faced, as we sang about, some incredible difficulty as they were trying to be faithful to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we see how they respond in prayer. So I want to pick up this morning in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. I want to read the text for us this morning going through verse 31, and then we'll walk back through it together. Luke continues on in the story in verse 5. He says, On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power Or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, 
whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them, because of all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. That you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. As you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea. We will pick up the primary 
focus of our time this morning and the latter part of Acts chapter 4, we should pray bold prayers and we should expect God to move in amazing ways. We should pray bold prayers and we should expect God to move in amazing ways. Let's pick up the story in verse 5 as we left off last week after Peter and John had healed a man who was crippled at the temple gate. The religious leaders of the day said, this is not good. We are no longer in control. We are no longer in power. So they gathered them together after thousands more were saved as the result of Peter preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ once again. But the next day, the rulers and the elders, they gathered together in Jerusalem. The high priest was there. Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, who were all of the high priestly family, when they had set them in the midst, that's Peter and John, they asked the question, how did you do this? You see, the religious leaders had a problem. They had crucified Jesus And now Peter and John were preaching that salvation can only be found in Jesus, the crucified Savior who had raised from the dead. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells them that. He says, listen, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed to a crippled man, how this man has been healed, let it be known. You want to know whose name that this was accomplished in? The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you killed, whom God raised from the grave. That's how it happened. There's no doubt in their minds, there's no question that even in the midst of being questioned by the religious leaders, they did not soften their tone. They did not step back from preaching the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Every single week, we will sing and we will preach the truth of who Jesus Christ is because as John and Peter proclaimed, there is no other name under heaven, by which men and women and boys and girls are saved. You may have come in this morning, and for you, you're trying to figure out how can life get better than it is, walking through a difficult time, wondering, is there any hope? And let me share with you once again, as I said earlier during the announcement time, that there is hope if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you can experience salvation through Him. That's the message that Peter and John were proclaiming, even in the midst of being put on trial by these religious leaders who had killed Jesus. Don't lose sight of that. They were the ones at the forefront of leading the charge that Jesus Christ be crucified. And they call in John and Peter and say, whose name are you doing this in? And they say, Jesus, whom you crucified. What boldness. 
they faced the potential of finding a fate very similar to Jesus. And yet without reservation, with absolute conviction, they say, Jesus Christ is the name by which you can be saved. It's interesting in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They recognized, listen, that they had been with Jesus. Let me just remind us, church. People recognize whether or not we have been with Jesus. Seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. I mean, what do you say to that? What do you say to a man who's been healed, who's 40 plus years old, who had been begging at the temple for years and years and years? They had gone by him. They had seen him as they went in and out of the temple doing their jobs as the religious leaders. The man is standing there with Peter and John. And what can they say? When they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another at a business meeting. They said, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further, that was their objective. It's their objective with Jesus. If we will just kill him, then he will stop and we won't have to worry anymore. If we can just stop the disciples from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will stamp out Christianity. That is their thought. He said, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Here's the problem. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Notice the trajectory of their conversation. This man had been healed. Peter proclaims to these religious leaders that it is through the name of Jesus Christ that this man has been healed, not only physically, but spiritually as well. And the only hope for salvation is found in Jesus Christ. And they look and recognize that they had been with Jesus and they say, stop preaching in the name of Jesus and Peter and John say, how? How? How can we not proclaim what we've seen and what we've heard? Church, that is our mission. 
to proclaim what we've seen and what we heard of all that God has done. And so they say, listen, if I mean, we know that you're in a religious position of authority, but I mean, you're going to have to judge here whether we should listen to you or we should listen to God. Jesus had left his disciples with a very clear mission, that is to make disciples of all nations, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope for sinners that can be found in him. And so they say, we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. So verse 21, they further threatened them and they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. The man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Let's pick up and notice this bold prayer that these early believers pray. When they were released, verse 23, they went to the lawyer. And they said, we have been wrongly imprisoned. We have been wrongly questioned. We need to file a restraining order against the religious leaders. That's not in my Bible either. Isn't that what we would probably do, though? I mean, isn't that probably our response that we would have in a situation like this? You tell me I can't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm going to sue you. But that's not what happens for them. They went to their friends and they reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. Verse 24, when they heard it, that's the friends, they said, guys, that's not fair. We should do something about that. That's not what they said. They lifted their voices together to God. In the midst of an opportunity for them to grow discouraged, in the midst of an opportunity for them to cry out and try to get a group of people together to say the religious leaders are just off base. This is not fair. I can't believe what they're doing. We should file suit against them. We should do something to stop them encroaching on our rights. It's not what they do. They pray. What's your typical response when things don't go your way? Is it to get on the keyboard and post it on Facebook? To tweet it out? To call someone and say, you're not going to believe what happened. I can't believe this. To try to get them fired up like you're fired up so that you can fuss about what's going on. These early believers, when faced with incredible opposition, prayed. I want you to notice the content of the bold prayer. It begins in verse 24. If you're taking notes, write down this truth. Bold prayers submit to God's sovereignty. 
That's simply the truth that God is in control. Notice what they pray beginning in verse 24. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They begin this prayer not with saying, God, it's not fair what's happening to us. God, we don't like the position that we are in. They begin by saying, God, we know that you are in control. That's where they begin their prayer. They begin by saying, God, you created everything that exists. The heavens and the earth, the land and the sea, and everything that fills them. By nature, they are proclaiming, God, you made these people who are persecuting us. God, we know that you are in control. They further say that by quoting from Psalm 2. That's what they say. They came from the mouth of our father David, your servant. They say, why did the Gentiles rage? That is taken right out of Psalm 2. Where it says that God is sitting on His throne and He is laughing at those who would seek to overthrow His rule and His reign on this earth, specifically related to His Son, Jesus Christ, the King. And as they call out in this prayer, they are reminded that back in the Psalms, in the Old Testament, back long before what happened happened, God had said that it would happen. Church family, never lose sight of the reality that God is in control. There is no circumstance that you will walk through that God does not know you will walk through. There is no problem that you will experience that God does not know ahead of time you will experience. If you're here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, God knew that you would be sitting in the seat that you are sitting in this morning hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not by accident that you are here. You have an opportunity this morning to trust in Jesus for salvation. It's the only name under heaven by which you can be saved. These early disciples were not bothered by the circumstances. 
Because they knew that God held the circumstances in His hands. They continue and say, Truly in this city there were many who were gathered against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They call out Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. But they say, They were there to do what your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God's Word tells us that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. When Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis chapter 3 for the very first time shattering the relationship with God, God was not caught off guard. He didn't say, oh no guys, we got to come up with plan B. Jesus Christ was plan A from the foundation of the world. Here's what that means for us. It does not matter what tomorrow brings if we know who owns tomorrow. God owns tomorrow. God owns the day after that and the day after that. And you and I, though we would love to know what God is doing, we can trust that God is in control. So as they stand, as they pray, they don't say, God, get us out of these circumstances. God, make these people like us. God, fix this situation. They say, God, we trust and we know that you are in control. So for us, as we pray, church, as you pray individually, prayer, proper prayer begins with proper theology, a recognition and understanding that God is in control. You are not calling out to someone who doesn't know what's happening. You're not calling out to someone who doesn't know the future. You're calling out to a God who knows the past, the present, and the future, and how all of it works together in His perfect plan. Not only do they pray submitting to God's sovereignty, they also pray bold prayers that are surrendered to God's plan. Notice verse 29. They say, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know, one of the things that I think we struggle with the most as we pray is we ask God to do what God has asked us to do. Notice what they say. They don't say, God, fix this. They say, God, look on their threats. And grant to your servants to speak boldly what you've called us to speak. If you go back to Acts chapter 1, what you're reminded of is the fact that Jesus had already told them how they were to fulfill the mission of God. 
How were they to do that? They were to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit of God would be with them to accomplish that mission. So they say, God, help us do what you've called us to do. For every single one of us, God has called us to do the exact same thing, to be faithful, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be faithful, to share the hope that we found in Christ. The problem oftentimes is that we are not doing what God has called us to do. And why would God do for us what He's called us to do? And so here, their prayer is, God, we know you're in control. God, we know what you've called us to do. God, give us boldness to do it. Church family, that's my prayer for us. Listen, we know what God has called us to do. We know what God has called us to be in this community. We know individually as believers what the mission of God is. We talk about it every single week. God has called us together so that He can scatter us in this community to go and tell people about Jesus. God saved you so that He can use you to fulfill His mission. For you this morning, that may be your prayer. Not, God, change my circumstances. Not, God, give me a different boss. Don't say amen, Pastor Scott. (laughs) Not, God, give me different people at work. God, give me a different neighbor. God, make things a little bit easier for me. No, the prayer needs to be, God, you have put me where I am by your sovereign hand, and I am there for a purpose. And I know that that purpose is to tell people about Jesus. That purpose is to bear witness to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has transformed my life. And it's not easy, and sometimes I don't like the people that I have to deal with. But give me boldness to proclaim the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Students that are sitting here this morning, you have the greatest opportunity in front of you every single Monday through Friday to walk in to your school and to say to the Lord, God, give me boldness to stand firm on the truth of who Jesus Christ is, to not compromise regardless of what the people around me are doing, and to proclaim the truth of who Jesus Christ is to them. For these believers, they believed that God was in control and they trusted that God would empower them with the boldness to proclaim the truth of who Jesus is. Notice verse 31. Bold prayers summon God's power. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. 
See, I'm confident this morning if we will pray bold prayers like that. God, we know you are in control and give us boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all that we encounter. I am confident that God's power will be at work through his people. I have no doubt about that. I'm not content for us to pray prayers at North River Church that we can accomplish in our own strength, in our own power. Church family, I am desperate for us collectively as the body of Christ gathered here at North River to pray prayers That when they are answered can only be explained by God shaking this world with His power. I believe that He can do that. I believe that if we will pray prayers like this, God will do things in this body of believers and in this community and through His people that we will look back on years from now and say, there's no way that that was us. The only way is that God's power was unleashed and it moved among His people and in this community. Listen, that is how the church was built. That is how North River Church will continue to be built. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can call out to you boldly in prayer, that we can call out to a sovereign God who we know is an absolute control and for some here this morning that is a question in their minds God are you even listening God do you even know what's going on in my life and the reality is you are listening and you do know and they have an opportunity this morning to call out to you Confidently knowing that you are in control of all the events and circumstances of their lives. For the believer who's here this morning, God, you have called them and set them apart for your mission. You are in control of their steps every single day. You are in control of every conversation. You're in control of the people that they meet, the people that they interact with. You're in control of who they live next to and who their kids play on ball teams with. And God, you have given them the greatest news in all the world. And that's that salvation can be found in Jesus Christ. Father, give them and give me the boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And Father, shake this world like you did in this early church. For the person here this morning, Father, who's never taken that step of trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, 
you have placed them here this morning. They have heard that salvation can only be found in Jesus Christ. And they have an opportunity this morning to call out to you. To trust in Jesus to be saved from their sin. And then to be put on mission for your kingdom. Father, as a church family collectively here, we ask you to do what only you can do. We ask you to move in power. We ask you to break down walls, to break down barriers. Father, we ask you to move in our midst in a way that we've not seen before. We ask you for favor in this community as we seek to live on mission every single day. Father, do what only you can do. Amaze us. We ask that in your son Jesus' name. Amen.